This week on Florida's Fourth Estate, kids are back to school and adults are already ruining it. And the lunch lady says, oh, you don't have enough money. You're 15 cents short. She takes the lunch from her and throws it in the trash. No in soup for you. She threw it in the trash? She threw it in the trash. Plus, a Florida politician gets done in by a fake diploma. Probably. I'll Which tell you what she it withdrew. definitely is. It's ballsy. It's <laughs> <laughs> and our guest, a scientist studying the Indian River Lagoon, how it got so gross and how we can fix it. And one adult oyster can filter roughly 50 gallons of water per day. Hi there, and welcome to Florida's Fourth Estate. My name is Matt Austin. And I'm Ginger Gadsden. You know, we call it the Fourth Estate, Florida's Fourth Estate, because it's going to be a, everything that you want to know about Florida. That's and right. we feel like there are lots of podcasts out there, but none of them really address what's happening in Florida. And it's such a big state. We have a lot of things to talk about, but we do want to tell you that it's never going to be murders. Yes. Unless you know, one of us murders someone. Well, it, or each other. <laughs> That's always a possibility. Or, or things you can't listen to with the little ones. Yeah, It's exactly. very family friendly. Yeah, we want you to be able to listen to this podcast in the car and get caught up with some good meaty news. Part of that meaty news we're going to have is our wonderful guest today. We have Kelly Hunsucker, who yes. is with Florida Institute of Technology. She is a scientist, but the thing I love about her is she's not very sciencey. Can I say that? Is that a bad thing? <laughs> it's, it's a great thing, because yeah, yeah. okay. that means we understand her. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we're excited to talk to you. We're gonna catch up with everything that has to do with the Indian River Lagoon. Uh, she is studying that thing and she's doing mm -hmm. some really cool projects out there. Well, it's a huge topic right now and people are talking about it and why it's so important that we maintain a healthy Indian River Lagoon. Yeah. And it's not just for us, it's for future generations as well. So yeah. we're very excited to talk about that. But we have a lot of other Florida stories to talk about because here, you know, so many things happen in the course of a week. And one of the things we're talking about, you know, kids are going back to school. And mm -hmm. did you ride a bus to school? I rode a bus to school, hated every second of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was no fun for me. But this one story really caught our attention this week. Uh, and I just picture it as a dad. You know, you walk your little girl to the bus yeah. stop. It's first grade. She's got her little Chuck Taylors on, you know. She's got the backpack that's too big for her. The bus pulls up on the first day of school and she goes to step on. This is a bus that's going to her school. The sure. bus driver, though, says, no, no, little lady. This is the bus for the boys. Did he really say little lady, though? I don't know what he said. I'm, I get the point. You know, yeah. th this is, <laughs> they have actually divided this bus stop between boys and girls. Yeah, and so imagine that little girl on her first day not being able to get on the bus, and even her mom didn't understand because this is something that had not happened to them before, so it's pretty upsetting. Yeah, and, and there's a whole bunch, a big range of opinions on this kind of subject. We did talk to the mom, and we do have somebody else who's kind of uh, from a different viewpoint. Let's listen to what these ladies had to say. Either send two buses to that stop or divide the stop. Um, I don't think they should be divided by sex. Girls, like, they stick together and boys, they stick together, so. All right, so the Osceola County School District says that this is how we have to divide them. The bus drivers can't tell grades or you yeah. know how old they are, so they can tell boys and girls, these stops have too many kids, they've gotta divide them up somehow. And they say it's something they've been doing for 10 years, but this is the first time this mom had heard about it because 
her stop had become crowded and there were too many students, so that's why they had to divide them. But I posted it on Facebook and you would not believe the explosion of comments, mostly because that's not how we live in the real world. We're not divided that way. Mm -hmm. And so what's that teaching that little girl when she can't get on a bus with boys? Yeah, and why does the boy one come first? Uh, a lot of people have asked me that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not answering that question. Uh, but I was surprised I asked my wife, uh, you know, we have three girls at my house. I asked yeah. my wife, what do you think about this story? And she's like, oh, it would be so nice if the girls didn't have to ride the bus with any boys on it. <laughs> so she, she thinks it would be a perk that none course, of the boys would be on it. Of course, of course. And I see that too. But then, you know, what's next? Do you have a blue bus drive up and pick up the boys and then a, a pink bus pick up the girls? That's just not how the real world works. And I feel like it sends the wrong message to some of these kids. It's like, oh, okay, I can't, I'm, I can't get on that bus. Yeah. And then you start getting into a whole other area of what else are we gonna separate? Yeah. Hello. This is true. You don't want that. But they're sticking with it. They're yeah. gonna stick with this well, policy. I, and we'll, I, we'll see what we'll happens. We'll see how it goes. The other big issue at school is lunch, though. That was my favorite class by the way <laughs> I excelled in lunch and I've I was, always been a big luncher myself you know I'm from a family of 15 so I got free lunch right okay well deserved <laughs> yeah by the way well <laughs> so and it's a big deal and it's one of those things where it, it's a time to congregate and get to talk to your other classmates and you all catch up well this happened in I think it's in Orange County it was at University High School where this kid she's a sophomore it's the first day of school and she gives the lunch lady, lunch lady, her account number, and the lunch lady says, oh, you don't have enough money. You're 15 cents short. She takes the lunch from her and throws it in the trash. No in soup for you. <laughs> she threw it in the trash? She threw it in the trash. <laughs> Rather than say, okay, I mean, where does common sense kick yeah. in? So here's this young girl. She has to go without lunch the entire day, not to mention the embarrassing factor that all of her classmates just got to witness her lunch being thrown away. Yeah, that makes no sense it whatsoever. It, there should be a the reserve. The food was thrown out. Just don't. <sighs> and so it started yeah. this whole wave, like famous people are now contributing to this GoFundMe. So if any kid comes up short, yeah. now it's like, okay, there's a GoFundMe. If you need 15 cents, let's then, Let's all pitch in. We can help with wouldn't, that. If you, wouldn't you have just pitched in 15 cents you right would, then and you there? You would think so. Well, the oh. rapper T.I., by the way, heard about this story. Uh, he's not in Florida, but he, he Everyone said, heard about I'll, it. I'll pitch in. It, People sadly. from Qatar called this mom <laughs> to help out. All right, uh, and on our last school story, we have to bring a little joy to your heart, okay? Oh, I love this Most one. kids are dreading heading back to school. This young lady, she's 16 years old, she has cerebral palsy, mm -hmm. and she could not wait for the bus to, the, to arrive here. Uh, I know if you're listening, you can't see the video, but you can hear oh. just the sounds of pure joy. Let's play it. So the bus driver comes up, gives her a huge hug. You can hear, like, she can't even control her body. That's she's early in so the morning. She's got excited. that kind of joy. Yeah, I'm not up for, like, four hours, and she is just, you know, just so excited. So uh, I love that there was a joyful story on our first week of school here. Yeah, certainly, I never felt that way going back to school. I, I dreaded it. Yeah. Especially the first day. All right, so now, turn around, now that the kids are in school, 
Let's talk about what's bugging the adults. We've got Sun Pass. <laughs> you know, this has really become a pain in my Sun Pass. Um, <laughs> wow. How long have you been holding on to that one? Well, you know, it, okay. it woke me up at night. It, well, you know what? And you, I don't like to exaggerate, but you pay about $5 million in tolls. <laughs> just you. <laughs> Actually, it's up to six. And yeah, it's, if you're on the toll roads as much as I am, I'm about two hours uh, mm -hmm. a day on the toll roads. And so when, you know, it, Sun Pass wasn't working for more than seven like 81 days. days yeah 81 days <laughs> mm -hmm. and not that you were counting no and then uh, all of a sudden they were supposed to start trickling money out of your account to pay for it well that trickle quickly became a deluge yeah, i don't know what it tr i mean they don't understand what trickle means yeah. little by little i just saw my car it's gone <laughs> <laughs> he's biking <laughs> <towards you. laughs> so if that if, if that money came out and caused you an overdraft you can actually contact sunbass they will pay it but here's the problem there are people we're fortunate enough where if someone takes $300 out of your account. Unexpected. You're, you're gonna be able to eat, you're mm -hmm. gonna be able to pay your electricity bill, yeah. and you're gonna be able to you know, maybe pay another bill or something. There are so many people who live paycheck to paycheck who commute and they use mm -hmm. SunPass. So if that's the difference in, okay, this week I don't have to pay that, and all of a sudden I'm catching up on months because they budget that for a month at a time, not you know almost three months coming out at once. I feel like they should have just waived the fees for everyone. I, and agree I know that's with you millions there. of oh, dollars, yeah. but it was their bad. Yeah. And you just sometimes when you screw up, you just have to say, okay, I'm just going to have to eat this one and yeah. but, bad you on know, us. You know, big business, that ain't going to happen. They, the company conduit did end up getting an $800,000 fine, so that's all we can be happy about as we no get our money siphoned No one's happy about that because people are still suffering, accounts. and it's uh, not getting any better. Before we get to our amazing guests, I want to talk about Floridian of the Week. We're going to do this weekly segment here where we, I feel like I want to hear something like, and now you're Floridian of the Week. Da, 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 da. Are you going to do that now? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Let's do this. Wow. Okay. So you're, we have you're this. You're really just going for it. Oh, yeah. I'm going for <laughs> it. So I want to bring up a picture for you. It kind of illustrates the story. Okay. So there was a, a young lady. She is running, was running for the District 73 seat in your Florida House of Representatives. Her name's Melissa Howard. And uh, this, uh, these, some journalists broke that she hadn't actually graduated from Miami of Ohio University, which she had stated. So she had this great idea. I'm going to post this picture of my diploma with a nice, it. lovely woman who I think is her mother, Proud. saying, look what Proud. I did. Ta-da! I got this, see? Yeah. You fake news jerks. Yeah. And uh, well, so Miami of Ohio actually got a look at this thing and it turns out her major doesn't really exist no. at the university. It doesn't. She really didn't graduate. Well, and now the thing is, I feel like she race. wouldn't be in this position if she had just said, you know, I'm a few credits short. Or, or yeah, exactly. I, mean, I just didn't yeah. quite. Oh, you know, you know, I missed that summer internship. Yes, yeah. and people would have been more forgiving. But she went through a lot of trouble to doctor this thing up, and I feel I think it's a crime, also uh, being committed at the same time. Right, but if anything, no, it's fraud. It's, it's some kind of fraud thing. I wrote it down. I can't remember what it was, but she's in trouble. I'll which tell is you why what she it withdrew. Definitely is. It's ballsy. It's <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. I just don't know why she would go through all the And that's your Floridiot of the week. So the takeaway from that is at least know what the major is that you're going to not be honest <laughs> Yeah, don't make about. it super easy for Miami of <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make them search your it's name like, we don't in the have student that. Yeah. Rolodex. Okay. All right, so let's talk about, uh, we got Kelly Hunsucker. Thank you for bearing with us as we got through the news of Florida. We are so glad that you have joined us. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, you uh, have told us a little bit about the projects that you're working on, which mm -hmm. I think are fascinating in the Indian River Lagoon. So tell yeah. us what it is you do there. Okay, so I kind of have two projects so maybe I can tell you about. So the first, Matt, I had told you a little bit about earlier. Um, it's called the Living Dock Project. And so what my colleague and I do is we take dead and dried oyster shells and we wrap them around dock pilings in the Indian River Lagoon. And we do that because these oyster shells um, attract other oysters to settle out of the water and grow. And then one adult oyster can filter roughly 50 gallons of water per day. So one? One adult oyster. That's I know. amazing. I can only do that if I eat sushi. Uh, <laughs> I know, 50 gallons. So 50 like gallons roughly the crazy. size of my hand, right? Yeah. 50 okay. gallons. If he's healthy, 50 yeah. gallons of water. That's so amazing. So that's significant. So if we can get those guys to grow, then we can help filter the water. And the problem with the lagoon is all these oysters were over harvested in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. So we don't have them in the lagoon right now to help us filter the water, help prevent the algal blooms. So my colleague and I put these oyster shells around the dock pilings to promote the growth of oysters, but also other things that are out there, things like barnacles, mussels, tube worms, sponges, things that look really gross that you do not want to touch. Did you say tube worms? Yeah. They, Those are good? Um, I don't know if I've ever eaten one. <laughs> well, I mean, good for the environment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not delicious. <laughs> I mean, you could probably eat a lot of this stuff if you wanted. Did um, you bring any tube worms with you no, that we could try? No, sorry. Okay. Yeah. It said on the front door, do not bring tube worms in. Yes. So. Correct. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're all filter the water. Not as much as the oyster, but there's some things out there that can filter about 25 gallons per day. So hey, I mean, that's more than I can drink in a day. I'll so, take right, 25. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so by wrapping the dock pilings with these oyster shells, we're trying to get these organisms to grow and then help filter the water. So we call it a living dock project. It's um, completely community-based, so we use a lot of citizen science. We've worked with Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, um, a lot of different neighborhoods along the lagoon um, trying to implement them. So if I have a dock out in the lagoon, I can take part in this mm -hmm. project. We will help you. You can contact me um, and um, we'll, yeah, we'll help you get the materials and get the, the shells drilled and the mats made and help you deploy them. Yeah. And if you build cool. it, the oysters will come. They will come. They'll Something will up. come. <laughs> yeah. Something will come. Yeah. And the, yeah, I guess the key here is that it's, we're not just selecting for oysters because all these things will help filter the water. And um, we've also seen evidence that they also attract other fish or a fish around the dock piling. So if you're a fisherman, you know, that's good too. So now you're creating this little ecosystem and the fish can come you can you know watch them or, or try to catch them or suddenly a lot of people got very yeah. interested yeah. Right? <laughs> now you have our attention yeah okay so why does this water need to be filtered why is it so uh, is it is it possible to can we say it's a crisis in the Indian River Lagoon right now um, yeah I guess you could say it's a crisis I think if, if crisis means we're at the point where we really need to start doing something um, or else we're just gonna reach this tipping point and you know we can't do anything else and yeah so I would say it's it's a crisis um, yeah you know we've just 
decades of, of, of things that we've been doing have led to this point. So it's like this legacy load of issues that now we're starting to see that we need to stop and kind of change mm -hmm. our attitude and, and our daily routines because, you know, no longer can we just go about walking around thinking that we're not having an impact on the environment because it's totally not true. Well, that's the thing I wanted to ask you about. How did we get here? Because it's, it seems like when people think of bodies of water, you know, we're not talking about the ocean, we're talking about the river, but anytime you talk about bodies of water, you feel like it's this infinite wave that will never, ever be depleted, mm -hmm. but it really is finite. Correct. So how mm -hmm. did we get here that we are in this crisis mode right now? Yeah, so you can actually, you know, some of my colleagues have graphed it. Um, you can go back to when we started seeing population increase um, in this area. And so the impacts in the lagoon really nicely correlate to population increase, you know, from 1940s, 1950s up until present. All of a sudden we start seeing more muck accumulating on the bottom, um, more nutrients in the in the water. Mm -hmm. and. Um, and so, yeah, it's just years of doing what we thought was okay, not realizing it had an impact on the environment until bam, all of a sudden we're kind of faced with these algal blooms and massive fish kills. And but the muck is something that is really a big problem. I was mm -hmm. reading that you, and the way you described it, it's like this mayonnaise type substance that can be feet Thick. Could you make it sound any grosser? Well, I don't want it on Mayonnaise a sandwich. at the it, bottom of a ex river? Exactly. And it just, it's gross. But if you have a lush green lawn and you fertilize it and you blow your grass clippings into the gutter, mm -hmm. you probably contributed to that muck. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this muck is um, is scary, yeah, and it's built up. And like you said, um, I've seen it up to 15 feet thick in the lagoon. Oh. Um, so that's kind of the extreme cases where you have kind of deep pockets that will accumulate. So it's not always that thick. But, yeah, um, what happens is you get runoff, so you get sediment, grass clippings, like you said, yard waste. Um, with fertilizer, they run into the lagoon, they start to decompose into fine grain organic matter and settle out. And that's essentially what this muck is. And you described it really well. It's like a black mayonnaise. It smells like hydrogen sulfide because it's anoxic, meaning it has no oxygen. So it smells horrible. It's really gooey. If you were to step in it, you would sink down. Um, I wish I had brought some with you. It's no, like triple bag, well, so you can't no, smell thank it. You. Thank you. Really <laughs> painting a lovely picture. Uh, oh, sounds yeah. like we have a lot of it out there that yeah. you could have brought. Yeah. And and so but this is what's so frustrating. It seems like like we all want to find that one thing, mm -hmm. you know, like, OK, let's stop plants from dropping their chemicals into our water. Let's keep septic systems from draining into the lagoon, which they were supposed to do years ago. Mm -hmm. But it but it's more than that. Right. It's just it's like a plethora of factors. Mm -hmm. And it just really seems daunting for a lot of people. And I think that's when they say, well, you know, I just give up, you know. Yeah, you're right. There's many factors that are going on, and that's kind of why we're at this, you know, we, we labeled it kind of like a crisis. Yeah, like I think that's why, because there's so many things that we're doing that are contributing to the issues. So you have the muck. Um, I mentioned the oysters that we no longer have. The oysters and clams are overharvested, so they're gone. They're not going to help us filter out anything. Those were at the bottom. Now the mm -hmm. muck is at the yeah, bottom. Yeah, we took too many of them. Yeah, so now, yeah, we got a lot of muck. We have a lot of the nutrients coming in. And the other bad thing about the muck is that the nutrients will, um, stay trapped in the muck and slowly leach out and so some of the thought is now that can help fuel other algal blooms so one more bad thing about the muck people sound terrible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing i know yeah I, but the thing is i know it's kind of like this we older. need you to reassure us <laughs> like right now but there are so many things that we can do um and so i kind of 
um, we can give this analogy like clean eating, right? When you, you go into this clean eating diet, maybe it sounds really scary. You're like, I can't leave processed food. No. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah. But once you start doing it, you're like, oh, that's not so bad. And I feel really healthy. And so I think if we take that analogy and apply it to Lagoon, we would be okay. Small things at first, right? So like maybe you slow release fertilizer or, or buy plants that don't need fertilizer. Mm -hmm. Don't blow your grass clippings into the yard. Bag them. Yeah, or into the street. Yeah, bag them, right? Or okay. just leave them in the yard or clean up your dog's waste, you know. Oh, that's fair. That's Things fair. Like I, that. I wish a lot of my neighbors <laughs> would do that as well. Yes. Um, uh, you talked a little bit about clean eating in relation to this. Yeah. Well, part of my worry is eating as well. Florida's known for its fresh seafood. We're known for, you know, for oysters in certain spots. Mm-hmm. Do you, and I know you fish with mm -hmm. your husband. Yeah, love to fish. When you <laughs> fish in the lagoon, will you eat that fish? <laughs> so I had this conversation with my husband earlier, and he's like, if I caught a snook, oh yeah, I'd eat it, no matter where I caught it. <laughs> Does it matter if he pulled it from a toilet, he's going to eat that snook? Okay. But me, for dinner. Yeah, me yeah. probably not. Um, it probably would de depend on where I caught the fish. Yeah. Um, so closer to an inlet where there's a lot of flushing, and I know the water quality is better. I, I would feel better, more comfortable comfortable eating a fish. Um, definitely, I would not recommend eating any fish that you catch out of kind of festy, static canals. I mean, that just seems gross. I always see people fishing in those. Yeah, me too. Oh. Me too. And I'm like, I hope they're throwing it back. Please don't be eating They're probably that. not because they have so. buckets to carry things away yeah. with them. I wouldn't be throwing it back. I'd be throwing it up. Because yeah. <laughs> that would be gross. Yeah. So stay away from the canals. Yeah. And, but, but yeah, we want these, and, and especially like oysters. And that's, mm -hmm. I mean, not that anybody's really picking them out of the lagoon anymore. Well, there's no more to pick, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's certainly scary because there are areas around Florida that yeah, but I, I, you talk about if you eat these fish, and I think snook season starts September 1st. First. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so y you eat these fish that are possibly contaminated, that can't be good for you. Mm -mm. No, yeah, definitely <laughs> and, and so you're opening up a, a whole new set of problems, and I say that because people, I don't think they realize just how important it is to keep these bodies of water clean because right. you feel like, oh, a fish, it has gills. It will filter its own, you know, junk out, but that's not how it works. Right, and so um, maybe people people like money, right? So a couple of years ago, they did an assessment on the lagoon. The lagoon itself is roughly $7.6 billion associated with it, and that was in 2014, so probably now it's a little bit more. Closer um, to 10, probably. Yeah, and so there's this huge economic value associated with the lagoon. So if it starts to decline in health, we're gonna lose a lot of that money. Um, and we're also, you know, we're harming, we mentioned fish, but we're also harming a lot of the seagrass beds. Mm -hmm. So the muck blocks a lot of the light, you know. Can you tell me what we're doing right? What are we doing? Are we doing anything good? Yeah. Thanks, Caribbean. Yeah. No, no, yeah, so I'm an optimist, so I don't like to be negative. Sure. I always kind of like to think of the, the positive. I like you. Um, I need you because <laughs> I'm the opposite. Yeah. Pessimist. Um, so we are, you know. I think the 2011 super bloom really got a lot of people kind of stirred up and were like, okay, we really need to start doing some stuff. Um, and so there are agencies out there and now they're starting to talk to one another. They've been doing that for, for many years. We have, you know, meetings where we're kind of like, I'm researching this and you're researching that and let's talk talk about it and, and work together. Um, Brevard County passed that half cent sales tax a couple years Big. ago. Yeah. So we're starting to see some of those mm -hmm. projects. And be that implemented. shows people care. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's important. So they're starting to remove a lot of the muck. They're testing a lot of the septic tanks and replacing a lot of the faulty mm -hmm. septic tanks. And there's a lot of education and outreach 
outreach. And then that's something I'm really passionate about and that's something I'm heavily involved with, um, which is one of the reasons I wanted to come on your podcast sure. and, you know, kind of talk about what yeah. I know. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, I was going to just talk about when you feel like there's nothing you can do, chances are there's something you oh, can yeah. do. And it starts with the very basic. You start in your own communities. Mm -hmm. And I know you talked about the living dock, mm -hmm. but what can we as just communities who love the water, who love yeah. to fish, and who just love being here in Florida, what can we do on a basic level to make it better? So I would say three things. Um, you know, watch what you do with your grass clippings. Don't blow them right into the street. Um, your fertilizer, you know, follow those ordinances. Those are important. We put them there for a reason. Um, use slow-release fertilizer. You don't have to use fertilizer at all. And then get your septic tank and your sewer tested, whether you have the septic or the sewer. Both can be leaky and both can, you know, cause nutrients to run into the lagoon. So I think those are three pretty simple things that people can do. And if they want to take it a step further, they can find a way to get involved. All right, we can handle that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Kelly, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. You are from Florida Tech, and mm -hmm. that is a place that doesn't get a lot of attention, mm -hmm. but does a lot of good for the economy. Yeah, yeah. We have the Indian River Lagoon Research Institute, which we started after the um, 2011 super bloom. Mm -hmm. And so we have a bunch of scientists like myself and engineers, educators, and we have all come together and started working on issues with the lagoon and getting out there and helping to spread the word about how people can get involved and help it. All right. Well, it's a worthy cause for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I like fish. I like fish. I like water. I love <laughs> some water, water. <laughs> especially in Florida. I like people visiting me because yeah, they won't come here if there's yeah. no water. So Kelly Hunsucker, thank you so much thank for joining you, us yeah, for Florida's today. fourth estate. And we are going to be covering this whole environmental thing uh, quite a bit in the coming well, weeks. Well, it's still an issue. and now Until I, it's fixed. I feel hopeful. <laughs> Kelly me has too. given me some hope, yes. thinking that yes. you know, we, we can do something about it. Yeah. But it's something that we shouldn't just push aside. We have to talk about it and make sure that it's better and hold everybody accountable. That, that's what I was going to say. Uh, we're not going to be so hopeful with the politicians that we bring in here and talk about <laughs> this sort of thing. Man. So uh, thank you for joining us on this edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. We've got Ginger Gaston, Kelly Huntsucker. I'm Matt Austin. Hope to see you next week.